Hey, everybody. It's episode 85 of The Feminine Critique. Uh, I'm Emily. You're going to hear Christine very shortly. I just needed to give you this odd little intro because it's a wacky episode, a bizarro episode, because Emily didn't realize that she had a very old version of Skype and therefore our audio during our opening What We've Been Watching segment was really rough and kept stopping and starting and probably sounds like one of us or both of us is trapped underwater talking about movies, which is probably what we do if we were ever trapped underwater. Um, The point being, um, what I've decided to do is for this episode, we're just going to start with what Christine and I recorded after Emily realized she had to upgrade Skype. Uh, So we're starting with the talking about cat people and cat people. Uh, And then after that, I'm going to put in all of the what we've been watching stuff, which we recorded before. So if it makes no sense, um, you're not time traveling. It's okay. It's not you. It's us. I'm doing it this way, this way for those people that are like really picky and snobby about good audio. Um, If you don't want to listen to bad audio, you can just stop when when we get to the break and to the other stuff. Um, but if you don't mind being trapped underwater with us, then please stick around till the end. Uh, thank you. Apologies. I am not a technology person. I do the best I can, so lay off, man. Here we go. Everything is totally natural, right, Christine? This is how it's always been. How it's always been and how it always will be. Um, I, that's the thing. I haven't listened back to the audio that Christine and I recorded. So on our What We've Been Watching, which we didn't even finish. I still have like eight movies to talk about, which I'll do next time. Um, we had to. That ended up being like 12 different files because we kept getting cut off. And the audio may be patchy. I'll, we'll figure that out. So... We're just going to barrel through and move onward with the new version of Skype that was supposedly already installed on my computer, but it wasn't. Christine, 1942's Cat People. Yes. I'd seen it. You hadn't. I hadn't seen it, but I knew I knew enough about it to know that I kind of wanted to see it. It's a um, very... It surprised me that you hadn't seen it just because I feel like it, when you're talking about uh, influential horror films are kind of milestones and touchstones. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you talk about the 1940s, it, that's this movie and that's this, you know, the Val Luton yep. thing. It's often cited. I have seen it cited as the first um, jump scare in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I had never seen it and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if it was literal or if it was like these crazy cat people. <laughs> so like, many cat I people. I didn't know what to expect. Um, so I thought we should, I had been curious to see the other cat mm-hmm. people. And I thought like, let's, you know, let's watch the cat people. And you were like, you want to just do both cat people? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, which did you watch first? I watched the um, the newer Cat People first, okay, which made for quite the experience. I bet. I'm very intrigued to hear then when we get to that one, 
because I think there is the, the, the reason I was excited to, well, as soon as you said the new cat people by new, we're now talking a 35 year old film. Uh, <laughs> I said, let's do the original too, because I feel like there it's a, the remake quote unquote is such an interesting way of remaking. Cause it's, it's very, very loose remake, which is what I like in my remakes. I like a, let's take the essence of the original and figure out what we're going to bring to it in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And for me, the one thing that really sticks out in the remake is that there is one specific scene that, because the remake, as much as it's very loose, you have character names that are the same, but it's, it's very much its own thing, except there is one scene that is blatantly, oh, we have to have this scene in there because it was so important to the original. And I feel like it sticks out like a sore thumb, but that might not have been the case because you watched the other film first. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you know what I mean. So first, why don't you tell the people what Val Luton produced? Is it Jacques Turner's 1942's Cat People is about? So it is about a lady who is a cat. I think because like that. I, I don't know about you, but it didn't seem so. It's pretty. I can't talk about one without talking about the other. That's so okay. sorry in advance. So while it is very explicit in um in the the newer quote unquote cat people that they're people that are cats it it's um our our lead in this arena, arena who is the name the name of the lady in both mm-hmm. is is thinks she's a cat person there's like history about a village and people and they bird cats and if she you know she'll Gets turn into a cat and kill i think and in this one this this original she explains what makes her a cat person and what happens a lot more clearly than in the the other one which i appreciated that's a really um, good point yeah i thought so Again, can't talk about them without talking about them both, but I watched the 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 more recent one first. This answered a lot of questions I had <laughs> after I saw the first the, well, the newer are, the origins are a little different because I think in the in this one uh Irina tells tells her soon to be husband Oliver um that basically she's from Slovenia or Serbia. I get the two. I think she said Serbia. I think Serbia. I'm almost positive she said Serbia. That yeah. in her village there is this, you know, stories of a passed on that there were people that were basically cat people that were driven into the woods. However, um, a lot of people think that they still exist, and the way you find out is basically if you, you know, fall in love, if you get excited, um, you turn into a cat, and then, or by cat, we're talking like panther. We're not talking about like Joplin who's sitting on my shoulder as I talk. Uh, and so she has this fear that she has this in her, that, you know, she, she's always kind of stayed away from people. She's never wanted to get close to anyone, especially men, because she didn't want to turn into a cat and kill them. Mm-hmm. In the, the remake, uh, it seems a little more specific that it's, um, because we get flashbacks to it, that it was a back, way back when... Uh, people were sacrificing their women to these panthers in order for protection, but instead mm-hmm. the panthers were mating with the women and producing cat people that way. Yes, uh, so in that there, 
there and, th- and then that that continued so there continued to be new cat people right because the but the only way you could really um maintain a relationship if you will because what happens is in the remake it's very explicit it's when you have sex that you turn into a cat uh and when you turn into that cat the first thing you want to do is kill everything around you so mm-hmm. if your partner is human they're not going to last long it might even say that if you if you have sex with somebody, you turn into this panther, you kill them, and then you get to turn back. Yes. And I think, um, again, I might get them confused. So similar, yet so very different. Something is very explicit about that. And You're right. You are right. And I was like, eh, okay, well. So it's, again, we're jumping ahead, but you're absolutely right, because that's why Malcolm McDowell's character constantly has sex with prostitutes, because... Don't because they're disposable, exactly. right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> that was my sarcastic voice. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my um, very quick, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, obviously. So, again, I'm not to jump ahead, but Arena in the the remake is, is a virgin. She yes. has not had sex, and, it's, and she doesn't seem, like, she's not, like, running around like she's 45, but she definitely seems a little bit older than you would expect someone to still. And, well, it's also 1982, so yeah. a virgin who looks like Natasha Kinski is one of those what really just because she's gorgeous and it's it's very hard to believe that in 1942 yes. it's, it's i mean similar to where um it's simone simon i think who's gorgeous but it's 1942 so you kind of assume any woman that's not married may be a virgin type thing mm-hmm. yeah that's it's a really good point it, it was it was not treated as anything unusual mm-hmm. in the original, but definitely in in the remake, it is like a what moment for not just us, but for the characters. Like, right. like what do you mean? Um, but anyways, so she in the in the, the original, it is the Serbian woman who is I don't know a bit quirky and a little odd. I really like the way she dresses, mm-hmm. but she meets a dude. And at the at the zoo when she's sketching one of these these panthers and it's like wham bam they're like hanging out all of a sudden and it it's time time lapse so it's not like they meet each other and immediately get married right. but it feels that, that way in the movie because well, it's you the know, kind of movie that's going kind of quick but they meet each other yeah. and immediately get married and I don't know if this is just something of the time or because it's a short movie it's a what an hour fifteen at most and I don't know if part of it was just. Yeah. It, back then, they didn't have to deal with subplots as much, so it's just very straightforward. There's nothing else going on in this mm-hmm. movie other than this character and now this character, and so even though you know there's other things happening, the movie is only telling us this one story. So we don't, you know, so yeah, they meet and then the next scene they're on a date and then the next scene they're getting married, just because that's the only thing this movie is concerned with, which is kind of refreshing. Uh, I've actually been watching a lot of older mm-hmm. movies lately, and I realize like there is something there is there is something nice about the quick. I mean, in older movies, like they talk faster, uh, but also that sense of like not wasting film and not wasting shooting days and everything. So it just it, they just move better, and I really like that about this one that it just bowls its way through, and that's and and, and yet. It's a movie that is all about um, tension and, you know, kind of hinting at things and not showing you everything, but you're not, it doesn't feel any longer than it is. And it's a very short movie, which I appreciate. Yeah. And, and there's, that's a good point because there's a lot of additional stuff in the remake that isn't in the original. Um, 
like plots and characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that watching them in kind of a reverse order, you you see how kind of bloated the remake was because those those B plots or those side plots don't really seem to go anywhere. They don't really further the the story because then you kind of get this more stripped down version that, in my opinion, was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Which is something I, I never thought I would think because so so um, it's it's a, it's a it is of its time so there the interactions between men and women are a little bit you know different and unusual and oh. I'm fine with that I watched yeah. I've seen old movies like I'm not turned off by that but you would think that a sleazier '80s version would be more my my thing and it's. Well, I think, you know, I think, like, let's let's just say, too, because the way I think this recording ended up happening, I think we'll just talk about both of them together. Yeah, so I can't separate the two. They're no, just and I so think that's fine. Tried. Because I, cause I think really, like, they – you're right, because because we decided to cover both, or because I decided, I guess, um, they do filter in and out of each other. So I think it's – we're just going to do both of them at once. Um but because I think that's really interesting what you said about the way women are kind of treated. And in the original, what I what I feel like is very it's, it's almost not dated. It's almost something that more you're like, of course, now, like you, you, you see it more now with the doctor. Mm-hmm. OK, so yep. so Arena is married to Oliver, but she won't have sex with him. She won't even kiss him because she's just afraid she's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he's really understanding for a while. Uh, but like, it seems like it goes on a, wa- a long time and you got, you start to feel for him. So they decide they're going to go see a psychiatrist. Um, the therapist is a asshole. Yes. So and terrible. It's kind of glorious. Cause I feel like as much as on one hand, I think the instinct would be, Oh God, cause it's 1942. The other hand is no, I feel like that could have been in a movie today that he's just, he's a mansplainer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's this doctor that just says, uh, says so much to her about, well, you're just not going to tell your husband, you know, and just, you know, belittles her and just completely um, does not take anything she says with any respect. Uh, and then, or like, blatantly orchestrates things so that he can see her after hours and potentially have sex with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is like the best comeuppance. Cause you're, I forgot. Uh, I'd seen this movie one time before, mostly cause I'd read about it so much. I'd forgotten. And maybe I didn't feel as strongly back then, but I think now in more of a, um, uh, what's the word? Um, escalated world of feminism, if you will, mm-hmm. man, could I not wait for this guy to get his comeuppance? Yeah. Because he and is he, awful. He's terrible. Yeah. And unapologetically terrible. Mm-hmm. And now this is a character that is absent from the the remake. Very much. Yeah. Would have been interesting. Because they chose to do so there is a there is a Malcolm McDowell brother character in the remake that is that is not in this 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 original right. version at all. I think maybe I might have enjoyed it more had that character been completely abandoned because for me that character was just um, a reason for exposition that this this original seemed to handle fine right 
Yeah, so in the remake, so it's set in New Orleans, and you have Natasha Natasha Kinski. Which was cool. Maybe one of my favorite parts of the remake. Yeah, I'm guessing there must have been, kind of like there was a couple years ago after um, Katrina, there must have been really good tax breaks to film in New Orleans in the early 80s. Because you had this, you had Angel Heart, you had a couple more Mm -hmm. really, really New Orleans-set movies. And that's used so well. I mean, the way the original is set in New York, and that's a big part of it. And... In part, I think, because a lot of those places are still around. It's set in the Central Park Zoo, you know. And with the remake, it's New Orleans. It is sweaty. Everybody is mm-hmm. constantly dripping, which I love. The atmosphere is great. Um, but it, it, I think part of it is it, it doesn't, you're right, it's bloated. It has something interesting with Malcolm McDowell's character. So Natasha Kinski was an orphan, we find out, that she never, she kind of knew she had a brother, but she was, you know, lived, um, was adopted when she was a kid. Uh, so now she's a young woman, and she discovers her brother is in New Orleans. She goes to New Orleans to go uh, meet him. And once there, she finds out from him that, oh, by the way, we're actually cat people. And mm-hmm. we can only have sex with each <laughs> other. So I hope that's cool, because otherwise i got to kill a lot of hookers. Um, but instead she also meets a man named Oliver and falls in love with him. Uh Now, here's where I think, um, as where you're saying that like this movie, we don't have that doctor character, but I think the remake, there's something that you can read into a lot. And I don't think it was necessarily intended, but that Oliver in the remake is, Oliver, between Oliver and Malcolm McDowell's character, whose name I can't remember, um, the men are are very problematic in the remake. I yes. think both of them are. I think uh, John Hurd is this, you know, once um, you meet him, he's a zoo runner, zoo keeper, I guess. Nice guy, right? Good looking guy. Mm-hmm. And... You know, instantly he meets this beautiful woman, so he's, you know, attracted to her, which we understand. It's Natasha Kinski. But very quickly, I feel like there is a reason this movie, I'm constantly um, not trusting him, and it's because of Annette O'Toole in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, You're watching this movie, and the whole time I'm thinking, man, I have so little respect for John Hurd, because he had Annette O'Toole here the whole time, and... He uh, immediately kind of, and you don't know if they were involved earlier or not. It kind of seems like maybe they were. She's always had a thing for him. And she is so lovable in this movie. She is so cute. She is so um, just like, but I guess she's supposed to kind of be girl next door ask. And here comes Natasha Kinski. uh, Who's super exotic. Yes. Yeah. And what is, um, even, uh, Ned O'Toole even says, like, some things about her, like, oh, her type is always going to be all right. Like, you know, this, this kind of, like, looks at her and just immediately sees, oh, my chances with this guy are gone. Yeah. And meanwhile, like, aside from being really hot, uh, why would somebody like Oliver pick her over a Ned O'Toole in this movie? I don't know. And it's, it's a really quick... Much like um, the original, the the original, there is this like, like rapid like courting that you're like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, everybody, right. come on, like she, so he find in in the remake, he finds her, Arena, in the in the zoo after 
after hours drawing and she runs away from him and runs up a tree and then he's like let's go get dinner (laughs) yeah totally what so that's fucking bizarre so yeah their relationship is something that i don't understand from the beginning not like it just i didn't find if this is what you want me to believe that's great it's out of the ordinary. So really fucking sell it to me. Explain to me why these two people are together. Explain his fascination. And at one point there's this throwaway line about like, well, he fears her and he likes what he fears or something ridiculous like that. Like he knows that she's a panther is basically what they're alluding to. Like what? Come on. I don't know. There was just something about their relationship that seems like just icky. Well, and that's the thing. I think the reason I feel like the original is very much, it, it kind of, you can say that it's Arena or Oliver's story. I think depending on how you want to read it, how you see it, I think both of them, you see exactly where they're coming from, and you can, it can be either one of their moodies. Whereas in this one, I mean, it starts out as Arena because that's who you're following. But, and I think this is because of Paul Schrader is a very complicated man. And I say man very deliberately. Because mm-hmm. you look at everything else he does, and he is very much, um, he comes from a certain place, I think, as a male writing about men. And uh, you even, you know, I mean, Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver. And I had started, I had gotten this DVD from the library, so I was trying to go through some of the extras, but my DVD kept conking out. But one, mm-hmm. I got through a little bit of the making of, and I don't know that I would have seen this, but Paul Schrader blatantly comes out and says, uh, he identifies with Oliver because they both put women on pedestals. And as soon as that happened, I was like, I wanted to barf. Yeah. Because it made me, like, look at this movie so differently. Because I'm looking at it now as, oh, it all makes sense, and I, I hate this man's story. I hate following a story about this nice, um, you know, this catch of a man who his problem is he's looking for the perfect woman and he's going to make her the perfect woman. Yep. And it just became, as soon as I realized that, it became, like, I hated that character so much. um, Because I could see then the whole, oh, and this is why he would never go, he would never um, be attracted to Annette O'Toole's character in the movie because she is a challenge for him. She is, yep. you know, she is smart and on his level in terms of, you know, conversation and banter. But that's not what he wants. He wants this untouchable thing. And it made, when I thought back to the ending of this movie, uh, it made everything disturbing and weird and awful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, and, and the funny thing is, of course, you you know, you juxtapose this with the original, that Annette O'Toole character exists in the original, but to a quite quite a different end. Yes. Uh, Which is interesting, because you would you would think that it would be ickier in, like, a, a 40s movie. Right. But she's she's treated more like an equal, and yep. she has this this agency that's attractive to to Oliver in that in that movie. Like she's sassy and she's getting what she wants, and she's a little brass. She's loud, and like he seems into it, and like right. That's not how it how it is in the eighties version. No, in, in the in the original, it makes sense that he has fallen in love with Arena, this you know young um, you know kind of exotic woman, and, and they have a good time, and you can understand that they are married, and he cares about her. But after what, like 
several months of being with your wife and feeling as though she's, you know, there's a block between you two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's the ca- character's name is Alice. Um, she's his coworker, so they're friends. They always talk. They talk very frankly. And he starts to figure out that, oh, man, I think I'm in love with this woman. And you you buy it, and you're not angry at her. You're sad for Arena, but you also understand it because you realize, yeah, they're a better match. Uh, and also, Alice wears fabulous hats. Oh, she does. My God, those hats are amazing. Um, whereas in the remake, uh, it's you have this Alice character. You have Annette O'Toole as his equal and as... And she's also sassy and funny and, you know, they go out to a bar, um, just Arena and Alice do, because Alice immediately is like, oh, you know, let's, you know, let me show you around town. Let me, like, be a good girlfriend here and, you know, befriend you. And they go to a bar and what happens? A guy starts hitting on Arena, of course, and Alice tells him off and it's it's this very tricky place and I really wonder um, if uh, not to say, like, if men feel the same way, but you're watching this movie and, like, it's just, it's a harder sell, I think, because it's 1982 and it's really hard to understand why Oliver is so obsessed with this with this beautiful woman that has nothing else to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem strange. And then the way that their relationship kind of wraps up is yeah is icky and you're right it's so it's it's weird because this movie even you said it's it's either arena's movie or oliver's movie i didn't really think about it like that Mm -hmm. but you're completely right it is very much his movie and you would think that it would be maybe malcolm mcdowell's movie because he's pretty you know prominent in the opening Mm -hmm. for a minute it does feel like oh this is his movie and then this other lady cat's gonna show up and then we're gonna see some stuff Absolutely not. He's just, he is completely forgotten by the end. Yeah, it's, it's odd. And to the the point where, like, some of the, the plotting of the remake is very odd, because I'm started to think back, and, um, like, my, my problem, I was the sequence I hate in the remake, I hate the pool sequence. Um, I don't mean I hate it, I guess the original has a very, uh, very well-known sequence where... Uh, Oliver has already told Arena that he's kind of uh, falling in love with Alice. And mm-hmm. so Alice is going for a swim in a public pool, and she's all alone, and she realizes something is, is there, and it's very shadows, and it's this great, you know, um, like, very famous scene of doing so much with just lighting and shadow and ever, implying this terror that you don't see. And so in the remake... At one point, all of a sudden, there's an uh, O'Toole going jogging for like five minutes, mm-hmm. and then going to a pool, and it's just—it's so odd because it's one of those cases where, wait, why is it Annette's, Annette O'Toole's movie now? Why mm-hmm. why is she going swimming at this time of night? I didn't know she did any of these things, and the movie is now spending ten minutes on this. Yeah, and it to me that scene falls so flat, and apparently Schrader was not like a fan of the original he didn't seek out to remake the original he had kind of a script for a remake that was written by alan ormsby who did children don't didn't play with dead don't children don't play with dead things Mm -hmm. um apparently like came to him and he decided not to make that script but to make his own remake of it 
So, like, it, it's this odd thing where you're like, why is this in there when he doesn't have affection for the original? And it feels very forced in just to kind of be a nod to the most famous scene of the original. And yet, again, like, it's just such another example of... Then I'm watching it, I'm trying to remember, I'm like, wait, but why is she even trying to kill Alice? Because Alice isn't involved with Oliver in this movie at this point. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, wait, did Alice kill the brother? I can't even remember. Yeah, that is strange. Yeah, it's messy. Uh, yeah it, it, that, that's a very good way to describe it. Yeah. It, it's It's cool. There's things about it that are really cool. I mean, the soundtrack is pretty... Famous because it's David Bowie doing some, you know, synth 80s uh, mm-hmm. music and stuff. Uh, I really like the music in it. I think it's used very well. I think the movie is shot well. I like the, uh, the what do you call them, flashback cat people desert scenes. Or they don't quite look like anything else, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um and there's, there's like I, like I, like we were saying with the New Orleans thing, like there is a sexiness to the movie that I like. There's, like it's sweaty. It's very, um, you know, I, I think like famously Paul Schrader said, like, yeah, I have more skin than, than violence, and like, yeah, you do, and that's kind of cool because it is a movie about sort of, you know, the power of sex and the fear of sex and all that. Um, but it's just messy. And then the more I think about what it's saying or who is saying things, the more angry I get as a woman. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. So, and so I think my, my, my overall feeling of the remake, the eighties remake would have been like, eh, there were some interesting things. I liked some of it. Mm-hmm. Had I not watched the original mm. because like in in uh, at one point Zach and I watched them both together and at one point he was like about the 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 1940s version this is really slow and sometimes kind of boring but it is so much better than <laughs> that other one and I said yeah I mean it's it's boring be- I'm not say I didn't think it was boring but I could see why someone would classify it as boring because of the pacing it's sure. obviously a much older movie and that's a very easy way to categorize it a broad stroke to take this is boring but i never looked i didn't look at my phone i didn't mm-hmm. want to get up i didn't start thinking about other things i had a really hard time paying attention to the 80s one and i kept asking like very loudly asking questions to the point where we started to talk over it yeah like what's malcolm mcdowell doing well wait a second why did he turn into a cat did they trap him in that room well did that lady get away like i never felt like anything was particularly clear yeah it's it's not the best made movie i think i'm trying to think if this was schrader's first film as a director um i don't know if i can figure that out quickly because he i mean he was a screenwriter for a very long time um as a director come on computer come on can we talk also about the fact that imdb doesn't have message words anymore yep Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? Yeah, how can we find out whose feet are sexier? Seriously, it's it's a weird <laughs> world. I don't know how I feel about it. It's uh, it's troubling that they were troubling, but like I have thought at least once since they've gone away. I wonder if I could have found that answer on the message board. That's the thing about the message boards. They were so so much. I mean, they were like YouTube comments to where anybody could post and 
they were 90% of the time useless and awful and often offensive and so on. But here and there, it was really interesting, for one thing, just to see a mass of stupid comments. But also, it was the place where you could go and ask a very stupid question about a movie that somebody would answer. I have very fond memories of um, renting the first Saw from Blockbuster Video, and my DVD skipped in the very last scene, and I couldn't figure out what happened. So I went on IMDb and asked, can somebody tell me what happens after... um, uh, uh, ben from Lost gets shot, and then I got my answer, like, within five minutes, I had, like, 35 responses, mm-hmm. you know? But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Paul Schrader had directed quite a few films before this. Mm-hmm. Um, many well-known ones and well-loved ones, none of which I've seen. Blue Collar, Hardcore, and American Gigolo. Blue Collar is so good. I think you would love it. I've always meant to see it, and I never have. It's so good. Um... I, I don't think it was a complete and total mess like this movie was. It's, see, yeah, with this one, I, I'm i trying to figure out, is it a total mess or is it that there is, it's one of those movies where you also see all the potential. Because you have a really good cast, right? I mean, you have Ruby D in there in a small part. Like, you've got the goods, you've got the set, you've got this great music. Um, it's just a matter of uh that i don't know maybe it just needed a screenplay edit um, i think so i i really feel like there were so many things that were kind of unclear and if you have enough things that are unclear you at least for me i keep thinking about them and if they pile up enough then i'm 100% not thinking about what's currently happening yeah i i think that's it i think it really does come down to it's a messy screenplay because mm-hmm. I le- and and for me again it's a problematic screenplay because I think um, and maybe we'll we'll give a spoiler alert before we talk about the very kind of final resolution of this movie but the more I think about it the more troubled I am by it mm-hmm. so yeah I mean that that hurts it for me because I watch it this time and I realize that this is coming from such a male point of view where things are really bothering me about it about um, the particular male point of view it comes from. And like I've talked mm-hmm. about this when I talk about Scott Pilgrim, how I have a huge problem with Scott Pilgrim because I see as much as I think it's a really well-made fun movie, um, the central uh, issue of the protagonist to me is that this is, this is a man who is, um, who doesn't, uh, I don't want to say respect women because I think that comes out the wrong way but who doesn't have, um, what's, what's the, what's what I'm trying to say? Who looks at women in a way that I find really upsetting. Yeah. He doesn't value them for the right reasons. Right. So he can, um, as much as he, like, and I'm saying this about Oliver and Scott Pilgrim, you know, they can have a female friend like Alice, who is, they have complete respect for, but when when it comes to their romantic life, the way they think about women that way is so different and so, um, like, societal, heterosexual that it just is really bothersome to someone like me, mm-hmm. I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's... So, that that's a big stopping block for me. I didn't... Apart from not really feeling clear or 
or sold on motivations of the remake. There's just, even if I was clear on the motivations of characters, I didn't particularly <laughs> want to invest myself in it because it was crappy. Yeah, yeah. It was problematic because I really, and the other thing too, Natasha Kinski is, is gorgeous and is in some ways was perfect. Yes. But I also never, I, I wasn't with her. I didn't, I, I liked watching her, but I didn't feel for her at all. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I think the movie wanted me to feel for Oliver. I didn't because of the reasons I've said. So I end up wishing it was an Ed O'Toole's movie, which just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I didn't feel any type of sympathy or empathy or anything for him. He, he, he straight up, I know you're going to kind of do a spoiler at the end, but he straight up acknowledges, he's like, yeah, this is, this is cool. Like, okay, well, I don't fucking, I'm not sympathetic. You're actively seeking this out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and again, if the movie kind of, I think, uh, maybe ex- was less coy about that. If this was a movie about a man who wanted to, um, you know, uh, subdue a woman and make her his and everything, mm-hmm. that would have been fine, I think. If the movie, like, didn't kind of make any pretenses about that. Yeah. But I don't think the movie is doing that. I think the movie is kind of hiding this intention underneath a lot of other things and other kind of standard horror movie-esque stuff. Yep. So it's never blatantly acknowledging that Oliver's a fucked up dude. Yeah, and also, so you couple that with with the character of her brother, who is just awful. Mm-hmm. Like, can't, oh, yeah. can't, be, can't be abstinent, can't abstain from sex. Will right. have sex and then know that he's going to kill an innocent woman after. Yes. Um, and and then, he even gives you a little bit of likability to the to the women that like he has two cases where he in one case is he almost kills her it's lynn lowry so that got me excited because i like her mm-hmm. and like she says something like she walks in she's like oh i'm sorry i'm late i had to drop my daughter off or something so already you're like oh she has a kid and then the other one is just you know like sweet and just this woman that he meets um this tourist that he meets and again like you you don't want to see her dead and you do and mm-hmm. yeah yeah um i think what it boils down to is I really don't like the addition. I don't see the value and I don't like the addition of the Malcolm McDowell character. And I don't like that character. Yeah. That character's action. I know that Oliver is a sticking point and I get it and I don't like him either, but that her brother, that brother character, he is so despicable. Everything he does and all his motivations is so unlikable that why would I give a shit? And yep. and they don't go out of their way to make Arena particularly sympathetic either. No, and I don't... Or likable or anything. And that's the thing. And I get the feeling that um, Schrader thinks that we do like her just because look at her. She's hot. Yeah. And that doesn't work with a audience in this day and age or even in 1982, I think. Especially when you have Annette O'Toole constantly saying like... Yeah, women like her are going to always get whatever they want. Like, And you see it happen. You see it time and time again that, yeah, she is fine. Because look at her. She can land in a city and within one day she can basically meet a a guy who's... Right, she gets a job at a zoo that can't afford to pay anybody. Uh, So it's very, like, just hard to 
and I think it's because it comes from it's, it's made from the point of view of a guy who who would immediately give Natasha Kinski a job. He mm-hmm. apparently was obsessed with her when filming. I don't know if they were if it was a one sided obsession or if they were actively in a relationship, but. Paul Schrader in, like, says he was obsessed with Natasha Kinski when he made this movie. And I think you see that, but it doesn't mean that I'm on her side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, especially, and I'm just going to go out and say it. I mentioned this on Twitter. So I'm already, like, again, kind of cold to Natasha Kinski's character because I just have no reason not to be. Um, you know when it really ended for me and her? When? When she says, like, when she, like, passes out or something, and everyone's like, oh, are you okay? She said, oh, it's okay. I forgot to eat. Who the fuck yes. to eat? I, I, that stood out to me, too. That's yes. really funny. I didn't remember it until you just said it, but I know I, I like, made some big to-do about it when she first said it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is yeah. this writing? What, what is this, the things that you're making this character say? She seems like a dummy. Yeah. Why did you write this dumb character? Yeah, it's 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 bothersome. And again, I think we're supposed to not I think we're supposed to be charmed by her and just be fascinated cuz she's sexy, but it doesn't work. I mean, maybe I I wonder and I'd really like to hear from our listeners. Uh and I'm curious if if it does come down to a gender breakdown, if women kind of watch this inside with an Edo tool and men don't or if it depends on on what type of guy you are or whatnot. But I think it's, it's kind of fascinating because this feels like a movie that just um, comes from such a point of view that is so opposite to mine Mm -hmm. that there's so much that I end up just walking away from feeling angry about. So let's talk about the ending. Yes. Okay. So the ending of Schrader's Cat People, which is different from the ending of um, very different uh, Cat People. Uh, so the ending of this one is that um, he has sex with Natasha Kinski. She mm-hmm. turns into a panther. Um, mm-hmm. She does not kill him, but then mm-hmm. wait. So but then they have, then it happens again, right? So then um, they because she kills somebody else. So yeah. then he has sex with her again, but he ties her up this time. And Which then, is not how it would work. I mean, yeah, she was, would just... Right? Like, if you tie up a, a human cat. and the human turned into a panther, like, this, aren't the ropes going to be different? It's all very confusing. Her little, her little paws would go slip right out. You would like, think, yeah. So, cut to... Okay, so they're having sex. She's tied up. Cut to, presumably sometime later, um, we see Oliver at the zoo... Oliver is now in a relationship with Alice, mm-hmm. and he walks by a cage with a panther that is clearly Irina, because he mm-hmm. puts his hand out, and she comes over, and he pets her. So he gets Annette O'Toole as his girlfriend, and he gets uh, his panther girlfriend in a cage for him yep. to always have there. I, I was so confounded by that that when she at one point says you can set me free i'm like well what does she mean she wants she she wants him to kill her he can kill her as a human so she wants him to kill her as a cat and zach's like no i think she wants him to like put her in a cage i was like but that doesn't make any sense that's not setting her free right (laughs) i mean i guess the idea being she's more free as a cat than as a human why can't she why can't he put her in the jungle yeah and that's the problem too is that the movie never um 
really get whereas the first film isn't a, isn't really about um her about what happens when she turns into the cat person in a way right it's not yes. so much about her nature it's that she's afraid of her nature she's and you can draw exactly. analogies all the way a woman afraid of who she is sexually in this one like she doesn't she never knew her entire life she just knew for whatever reason she didn't want to have sex with anyone and the day she finds it out She's like, oh, okay. And then she does have sex and she turns mm-hmm. into a cat. And I guess that's what she likes, but the movie never explores her having that experience. And you would think mm-hmm. like, that's a pretty interesting area to explore when, oh my God, I want to be a panther. I want to hunt humans. I, I like this better. I like being able to jump up trees and do all that. But at this, by this point, the movie isn't hers anymore. It's Oliver's. So we don't mm-hmm. ever get to know, and so you're right, when, when she says, I want to be free, we have no idea what that means because the movie doesn't care about what Arena wants at that point. Yep. And so it all ends up falling into John Hurd's hands. This is our second um, hot John Hurd movie, by the way. I know, I noticed that. We should turn ourselves into the hot John Hurd cast. And, but yeah, so he gets, he gets the, like, it's uh, the Madonna and the whore, I guess. He gets the, um, you know, his pedestal of a perfect woman as an animal, I assume that he they no longer have sex and do that. I don't know. Maybe they do. But he has her that he can go look at every day. He has this thing of beauty that's literally in a cage in front of him. And then he has the supportive, you know, good girl girlfriend right there. Mm-hmm. And it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's really, really, the more I think about it, this ending is one of the most infuriating endings to a woman ever, I think. Mm -hmm. So he puts this lady in a cage. He cages her and keeps her. He literally puts her in a cage. And she him to. Like, that's not... She wouldn't... uh, Like, and I get maybe she's freer as a cat. Again, we don't really know because the movie doesn't let us get to know this. But not that... um, in a zoo. <laughs> yes, those cages were super. They were they eighty were very small. small cages. Yeah, like a few small cages. Like that was like if animals. you've ever got like I don't. I mean, I, I don't, this was not the Central Park Zoo. That's right. Like if you've ever, you, anybody who's ever been to a zoo, maybe you've been to probably one of two types of zoos, right? You've been to the Bronx Zoo where it's beautiful and you really feel as though these animals are being taken care of and everything is in their best interests and you know I didn't see the lions today because they were hiding because it's a sunny day and so on where you feel like this is a wonderful institution that's here to educate and take care of animals and then you've been to the really sad zoos right like Mm -hmm. like zoos that were clearly like on their last legs or maybe in like really small towns or something where you just feel bad because you realize, oh my God, this is not the way animals are supposed to live. Yeah. And that's the zoo in this movie. It's really bad. Yeah. yeah. They're tiny, tiny cages and with like really like clearly these animals are not in good mental states because they're doing the pacing thing. Yep. And because they have nowhere to go and it's, it's upsetting. And then she's like, but this is where I want to go. No, no, you don't. I don't believe you. And and that's cool if that is her choice. But again, as I've said, this movie does nothing to convince me of anybody's motivation. Yeah. You could make a very poetic story about a woman who is, you know, because if honestly, if the first film had ended this way, I would buy it. 
Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I think that's actually a key, yeah. something key. If in the first film, Arena turned into a cat and then just decided, and, but still loved Oliver and wanted the best for him and wanted to see him every day, I would totally believe the ending of the first film being her going into that zoo and Oliver walking there every day with his new wife and their kids and just kind of kind of sighing and every day seeing her. I would believe that of the first film. Mm-hmm. In this film, I just, I don't know, because the movie doesn't invest anything in Irina's character by that point. Yep. Um, there was a sequel to the first Cat People. Yes, uh, I saw that when I was looking up that lovely woman who played Irina. Yeah, and it's, um, who, by the way, do, to me, you know who she looked like? Who does she look like? She looked like Reese Witherspoon. I could see that. She had like a Reese Witherspoon little chin. Um, mm. But the sequel, which I watched a few years ago, and I remember really liking, it's the same, it's most of the same cast, and it's it's about Oliver and Alice's daughter, uh, who, like, for whatever reason, suddenly, like, starts communicating with, like, the ghost of Arena kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's directed by somebody really interesting, who I can't remember. Um... Uh, oh, darn. It's, like, directed by somebody who went on to become a very well-known horror director, and I'm keep going to keep talking until I see if I can remember it. Because <laughs> it's really bothering me. Uh, but it's it's an interesting movie that I would, I would recommend. I believe mm-hmm. if you have the DVD of Cat People, I think it's a double DVD. I believe it's on there. Um, oh, Robert Wise. Ha-ha. Oh, okay. Who did The Haunting and mm-hmm. uh, West Side Story and The Sound of Music and they the Yeah, those horror still. classics. Yes. The West, yes. The, the West Side Story. West Side Story. Hey, man, <laughs> you're Puerto Rican. That's a pretty scary movie. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I do recommend Curse of the Cat People for further viewing. Um, and, like, I don't not recommend Schrader's Cat People because I kind of uh, think everybody should see it. I might not recommend it. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Watch the original one. Well, yeah, but... I don't want to be that person, but I don't know. It was... Uh, I The more we talk about it, and I told you, right after I watched that original, I was just like, eh, I'm all set with this movie. Forever yeah. and ever. It's, it's interesting, because I did the reverse this time. I watched the original, and then... Um, about a week later, I watched the remake and I think I did it the same way a couple years ago when I first watched these films. Um, and I think for me, I guess I, I always have pre, I like these kinds of remakes. I like remakes that sort of take some parts of the original or like the essence of the original and then kind of sets it in a different place and, um, you know, kind of looks at it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. So, in construction, I like this as a remake. I feel like it's the right idea. But when you have Paul Schrader handling it, um, aside from being messy, and as we said, being a little bloated, it's also really infuriating as a feminist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am trying to think of things that I enjoyed. I mean, I guess I enjoyed the... The little the sim that there are a few similarities and a few like 
clear, like you kind of alluded to, things that are taken from the original. Mm. And I think that I really, I do, I do enjoy the fact that it wasn't trying to be a shot-for-shot shot remake right. or even like a modern retelling. Like it decided to be its own thing mm. and clearly live in that universe. And like, and I enjoyed that. But like the, the thing in the pool, I thought it was neat that even though it didn't fit, it, they still right. stuck to it. And there's... Um, they're in a restaurant in the original, and she's in a bar. I think in the yep. in the remake, the woman coming Rebel up, woman kind of comes over and and yeah. says like, hey, "Hey, fellow cat girl," creepily talks to her, and it's weird. And they never revisit it, but they never revisit it in, in either one. So no. that's neat. And their professions are completely different. So in the original, um, Oliver's not like. A, a zookeeper or like an animal right. guy. He's, what is he exactly? He's like a. I think they like. There's like a. They do like drafting or architecture or yeah. building something. Um, but so there's this. You know where he and um Alice. Alice is her name. Are getting like hunted or whatever in the in the office. They they're standing there and all these T squares are behind them. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful scene. It's beautiful. And then in the remake, for whatever reason, Oliver, like, brandishes a T-square. Like, <laughs> I forgot about that. Like, it's interesting and it's cool. And I don't think I would have ever noticed it had I not watched it. Right, them. right. Back to back almost. But, like, that's cool. So it feels almost like Dude was trying to be like, look, I, this is a love letter to this movie and I'm also going to make it my own. Mm -hmm. I guess then my problem is I don't like what you chose. I, I don't to like do. your own. <laughs> yeah, that's not, it's not, not for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, um, even with a young John Larroquette and an even younger oh. Ed Bagley Jr., John Larroquette is so attractive oh he is i agree until the end of time i love john Larry. yeah oh and he's he's somebody that has has gotten wonderful with age he aged very well he that's did, very yeah. true no he's yeah no yeah um and ed bigley jr who gets a really cool death he's pretty great in that too yeah and i, I like when ed bigley jr gets to play like really like enthusiastic <laughs> and he's so enthusiastic in this movie, and then he gets his arm eaten, and then bleeds to death in a beautifully right. gross way. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this one you get you get some good violence. You get some. It's good looking. It, I like the look of this movie a lot. Oh, I do too. The original is also like I think anybody that has an interest in film study and studies, you know, cinematography and all that. It really is one of, I think, the most important films to watch. If you were doing a list of, you know, 50 films, 100 films, I feel like this would easily make 100 films of, um, in terms of artistry and what it does with lighting, what it does with sound, uh, how it really is one, like you said, the first jump scare, that it earns that and it does it in a way where it's 1942. So the Hayes code by this point is in full swing. And this was, I mean, Val Luton studio, I think this might've been their first one where they really did this, but the whole kind of um, conceit behind Val Luton films and RKO films at the time was this idea of, uh, we don't have a lot of money. We somehow have to make a horror film so how are we going to do it? We're going to do it by what you don't see. And it's such a beautifully suggestive film. Uh, I think it, it's so smartly done and how, you know, Arena explains everything. In, and it's very, you know, like you said, it's a monologue of her telling you, laying it out. 
but it works because it's also as she's saying this the lighting is really is really beautiful and you're mm-hmm. drawn into this um and it's, it's i mean some of the like you know the actual scary scenes are just done so extraordinarily and i think in a way that holds up um and yeah so if this if this was not one that you'd seen i really think you need to see it Whereas Train as Cat People, I think, is kind of worth watching, but not necessarily worth dropping everything and finding. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I finally watched it, because it's something that I had meant to watch for mm-hmm. a very long time. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, so do we have any... Oh, one um, bit of IMDb trivia that I found um, really interesting was... Uh, Malcolm McDowell plays a character dabbling in incest in this movie, something he had done a few years previously in Cal- Caligula. Oh, that's I like nice. To think of the idea of like Malcolm McDowell was doing his like incest um, period. Yeah, the, the incest leg of my career. Yeah, I also really did enjoy um, the line when Natasha Kinski is in a cab and she sees the zoo and she asks the cab driver to let her out. The cab driver says, "You want a, you want a zoo? Go to the Bronx." Yeah. Like, yeah, that's right. I, I did enjoy the pushy cab driver. Yes, yes. Like, telling, to, no, 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 no. You don't, don't want to go do there. That. You don't want to do that. I'll bring you where you want to go. Yeah. 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 She also good, had, like, like, eight pairs of glasses on, too, right? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. There's some good <laughs> sassy side characters in this movie. Like, yeah. Ruby yeah. is there, and she's wasted. And yeah, well, I think, arguably, everybody is wasted, because no, since there's so many characters, nobody really does anything. That's very fair. Yeah. Good point. All right, so how are you about ready to rate both of these? I think so. I have no idea what I'm going to give them, but yeah, yeah I think I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's start with the original. So okay. quality of film, I'm going to go 8.5. 8. Okay. Yeah. Uh, quality of life? I'd probably eight. go 8. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. I think I, it... it, it I have a good film to reference. Mm-hmm. I get other references. Yep. And I enjoyed watching it. I wasn't bored. It wasn't a slog or a chore mm-hmm. to get through. Good. So good. And enjoyed it. Fabulous it. hats. Oh, so it was very pretty. It was a very pretty yeah. movie. Yeah. All right. Paul Schrader's Cat People. Quality of film. I'm going to go this, six. This is really tough because. The film, it looked good. I liked the way it looked. Mm-hmm. I liked what was they, they chose to show me and how they chose to show it to me. But I do not like the script. And I think yeah. not just that I didn't like it, but that I thought it, there were parts of it that were sloppy and unclear. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I don't know where to go with that. 6.5? Sure. I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think anybody is going to fine you for that. So I not? hope they don't. <laughs> I, don't, I can't afford it right now. <laughs> uh, quality of life with the remake. Now, this is a very hard one. 4.5. Um, it's tough for me because I enjoy watching it. And honestly, there's a part of me that enjoys getting angry at a film like this because I feel <laughs> like, um, I don't know, I, I'm that weird person that sometimes like, I seek out things that make me angry. Like, um, I look, uh, at, I don't unfriend people on Facebook whose political views don't align with mine. Um, for various reasons and part, and and not, not really for moral reasons, more just because I like, like to know what's going on out there on the other side. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also can't stop myself from looking at those posts all the time. So I like to get my energy up. Like I'm pretty easygoing in real life. Like I don't, I really don't get. <laughs> I heard that. 
I heard that. It was very loud. Husband, would you like to clarify that laugh? Do you not think I'm easygoing? When have I ever gotten mad at you and, like, not talked right, to you? Right right now. I mean, right now, yes. <laughs> We're hearing it no, live. Have I ever, like, actively gotten angry at you? Hi, listeners. This is Emily's husband, Brandon. I want to let you know my wife is the most level-headed and patient uh, and easygoing person that there is on the face of this planet until her competitive juices start flowing. Right. So that's totally different. Like, that's, again, like, that's <laughs> when I need to win. So everything's different then. Okay? I'm a, I'm a good person. Um, You're the best person. Yeah, so I, so here's the thing. I don't like to get angry at real things. I like to get angry at things where... Um, like Boggle. Like what? Pictionary. Like Boggle yes. and Pictionary. Oh, my God, yes. Like Badminton. Like uh, Scattergories. I I've, think I've told you I've been called the Scattergories Nazi before in my life. I don't like to get angry at people. I really don't. I hate being in arguments. I hate being in fights with people that I know and like. So therefore, I instead channel my energy into getting angry at things like movies and commercials and spokesmen for commercials that often mm-hmm. make me angry. Um, so therefore, there's something positive about this movie for me on that front. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a... So for that reason, I guess, I'll go with a 5.75 for quality of life. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So that was our talk on Cat Peoples. Mm-hmm. Now, um, before we leave, folks, uh, Netflix recommend, Christine, or Amazon, or streaming of any form recommend? Um, I'm going to kind of cop out a little bit, and I am going to give a recommend of something that is on Hulu that is a television show. That's okay. Um, and I am going to say that if you haven't been watching Last Man on Earth, you really, really should. And I watch it on Hulu. Oh, okay. Because it, it's still airing on cable, right? Still airing on Fox, I think? It's still on Fox, okay. yes. Okay. I have not watched it. It's the best show. Well, good. I, I mean, I love apocalypse, post-apocalypse stories. I like that cast. I just have not sought out to do so. So maybe I will because you said so. You should. It's really funny and, and like, amusing and entertaining, but it's also really upsetting. I've cried a bunch Ooh, of times at okay, it. Nice. They they don't pull any punches with characters or, like, it's heartbreaking. I think you would really like it. Cool. I, I will try. I don't have Hulu, but I will see if it's anywhere else. Um, I may, I'm debating Hulu because The Handmaid's Tale is going to be on there, and I really like yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, All right, so my recommend is a movie that you watched, I think, last time. And, you know, here's the thing. So the world being what it is, um, I've kind of avoided a lot of political things because it's just really upsetting and just makes Mm -hmm. the world harder than it is right now. Um, And I did not necessarily know this movie would be so political, but the way it is packaged politically with the way it is, was such a nice um, catharsis, if you will. And I'm speaking, of course, about Roger Corman's Death Race 2050. Yes, right? Yes. God, yes. It's not amazing, but it's really, it really scratched an itch for me. Yeah, because it's everything I want where it is, and everything I want that the 2008 remake wasn't, which is... It is cheesy, it is all-out action, it is ridiculous, it is over-the-top. It is big. Everything about it's big. And it's very, very politically 
relevant. I mean, the mm-hmm. Malcolm McDowell character, hey, Malcolm McDowell again, uh, and he is, he is playing Donald Trump. Look at the hair. Yeah. That is blatantly that. Um, Anessa Ramsey's character, who I always like her, and it's really it was really fun to see. She was Tammy, the terrorist, the blonde. Yep. Really fun to see her in a part like that. And it's, again, it is your uh, red state, uh, you know, southern fried, evil, racist, everything. And then you have um, uh, Crixus from Spartacus just running people over. And it's mm-hmm. great. Um, so it's, I mean, it, it kind of felt like Idiocracy as a death race movie. Yeah. And it had things to say. It didn't say them gracefully. It was occasionally very, very clunky and very bang you over the head. Yeah. But it did so with such a zest. And it didn't lag. And it uh, it was fun. And man, it just was one of those movies. I watched it like on a Monday morning. And man, did it put me in a good mood that day. Um, it's on Netflix Instant. It's it's just, ex- it's there for when you want that. When you just want something ridiculous and violent, but to feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm glad you liked it too. Yeah. So when, when, when people, when it first hit and people were watching it, I saw a lot of mixed stuff. Mm. And like I could, I guess I could see why people would hate it, but like, nah, it was what it was supposed to be, and, exactly. and I got exactly what I think I was supposed to get out of it. And it felt also very much like a we're talking about remakes. It it felt like they took the 1973 film and were like, all right, yeah. let's 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 get that, but for now. exactly like the all that middle stuff was yep. kind of like nah, because I love that that original version. Me too. It's it's, fun. it's so good. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. Like, this one has k- kind of a stupid joke about um, about the women characters. Like, they go to the, the um, Bech- I can never say it right, the Bechdel bar. Like, it's yeah, kind of yeah. obvious. But at the same time, like, it also had several kick-ass female characters. And um, it was just neat. And I really enjoyed it. And I I think a lot of people, oh, you're, you're right. You'll know within 10 minutes if it's if it's for you or not. But, yeah. man, it it was what I needed. Yay! All right, so our next show. Um, so here's the thing, Christine Makepeace. Yes, Emily. Now, a few days ago when we were last recording, um, we ended up saying we should talk about Sleepwalkers. Yeah. And now I'm totally uh, for, for, obvious, for obvious for reasons. For very obvious reasons, we are going to review <laughs> Sleepwalkers. I have no idea if it's available anywhere, but we'll find it. I, have, I don't know. We'll figure it we'll out. We'll figure it out. Um, so we're going to cover Sleepwalkers. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and pair it with the movie that I had thought about saying we, we're going to cover for the next episode anyway. Because okay. it's actually very fitting with that movie. Okay. Um, I was going through my DVR and realized I've had a movie on there for like two years now. And I've always wanted to watch this movie and I never have. So what better movie to pair Sleepwalkers with than The Hunger? <gasps> I haven't seen it in so long. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good. David Bowie. You're going you're gonna to go Deneuve. crazy. You're going to love it so much your head's going to explode. Oh, but I like my head. I know I like it too, but yes. so and then we can watch um, the Hunger Two. Your sister's a werewolf, right? Because I love that. That's movie. a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. That sounds amazing. It's, a, it's amazing. I know that they diminish in quality, like the the sequels to that movie, but the second one is sublime. Wait, I'm so excited to the Hunger. No, not the Hunger. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking, thinking of the Howling. Of, um, the, the, the Joe Dante no. werewolf movie. Yep. Thinking right? of the Howling. The Howling. It, that's it. 
I know I I didn't confuse them, but only in their sequels. No, but it kind of does make sense because isn't if the hunger is about vampires and the sequel would be about, about a werewolf. I guess so. Anyways, I'm going to watch the second um, Howling, Howling movie, movie soon <laughs> nice. because I just get so jazzed for it. Um, but I'm so excited about The Hunger, and I don't know if Zach's ever seen it. Oh, we talk sweet. about watching it a lot. Nice. I just don't. All right. So The Hunger and Sleepwalkers, yeah. which we'll be probably recording from, from you on the West Coast, right? Yes. Um, and TV, TVD, because I don't know how long it's going to take me to be a movie watching person with, with the internet problem. again. Um, it, it's going to take me a long time to edit this episode, so I wouldn't worry at all. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you guys again in July. Indeed. We hope you all enjoy spring. Pushes every little wheel that wheels beside a mill. The feeling is getting so intense that the young Virginia creepers have been hugging the bejeepers out of all the morning glories on the fence. Meow, Christine. Meow. Welcome back to episode 80-something-something something of the Feminine Critique. It's a very, very feline episode with me, Emily, and you, Cat Steen. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> that was good. Why didn't I think of anything Thank like you. that? Ah, oh, you win. You win. Why, we should have we should have tried to coordinate. No, no, I like that element of surprise. It was very, if you'll excuse the the expression, cat like. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> on that note, Christine, what are we talking about today? Yes. That was not a yes or no question. Christine, what movies are we talking about today? Cat people and cat people. That's right. Nice and easy for you. And it's easy, even easy for us, because then we know which one we're doing first. 1940-something and, and the other cat people. Exactly. Yeah. This, these were your picks, were they exactly. not? They were. Yeah. Have I had never, see, I'd never seen, seen a cat person. Nope. Well, that's weird, because you're friends with me. That's true. <laughs> um, I, I always confuse no, confuse the 80s cat people with sleepwalkers oh there are cats in sleepwalkers but in sleepwalkers oh, no. the cats yeah. are like good monster fighting cats in a way right yeah but they fight they fight the cat people the bad cats are sleepwalkers people. cat people I thought that they were. They looked like cat people. You're right. Now I remember the dude kind of turning into... You know what? We need to cover Sleepwalkers one of these days. I agree. It's got Leo from Charmed in it. Uh, I Is he the main guy? Well, he's like the, the blonde guy that likes to help Polly Marie Combs. Okay. I have not seen Sleepwalkers since I think I saw it in the theater with my parents, I believe, because that's what we would do when I was like 10. Good for you. Right? Yeah. I, we should revisit that. I had a different idea for next episode, but we may need to amend that. 
I would like to watch that. Okay, well then that's decided. Let me put that in my notes. Um, so before we even get to this episode, we've planned our next one. Um, okay, so that's Christine, something. before we talk about cat people, tell the people of the world yeah. what movies you've been watching. Okay, well, peek behind the curtain. I usually read that off my phone. And right now my phone is plugged in. (laughs) Do you want to go first? Some some, uh, technology issues again this week, folks. We apologize. Um, Maybe eventually it won't happen, like if I get new internet. Yeah, in a very tech-friendly city, right? Typically this is, too, but this place is garbage. Yes, a very tech-friendly city. Um, okay, I actually do have my list up. I'll go through it real fast in case I get cutty outy. Okay. Um, bad movie night. This is not a bad movie, so it doesn't really work. But um, I rewatched Matinee. Oh, such a like fun movie. That movie. So fun. This is a movie. I- the person who picked it had never seen it, and I think they thought it was going to be schlockier than okay. it was. Because that one—that's like, the thing. It's about—it's a send-up to those kinds yeah. of movies. Yeah. So did everybody? Enjoy yeah, it? yeah. It's not really schlocky and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. good. And we all agreed that 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 movie about the bug—what was he in Ant Man? Mansquito. Mant. Mant. Yeah. Mant. 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 That's it. Mant. We all we all agreed that that movie would have been a better movie to watch. To watch for Bad Movie Night. Yeah, certainly. Mant looks like a good movie. I would watch um, it. For you, I did this for you. I watched See No Evil 2. Oh, okay. Yay. What did you think? I mean, there were a lot of things to like about it. Yep. Cast, right? It was, yes, it was definitely better than the first one. Feels better. Yeah, it was, it was, it was better and I enjoyed it. it. Of course, I mean, it was, it was on par with any other like slasher, whereas I think See no evil, it's just not. It was not good. Yes, I agree. Thank, uh, thank you for doing um, that. For I, me. I appreciate source that. code again. Is that the um oh. is, is that the Justin Timberlake one? No. That it, that's in time. Well, okay. I think is what I it's called. I like that source movie. code. Source code is um Jake Gyllenhaal, Vera Farmiga. Um, oh, okay. All right. Vera Farmiga, my girlfriend, right. Yes, exactly. I like this movie. I've seen it before. It was a wild hair rewatch. We were just like, I want to watch a, a movie about different timelines. So we watched that. It's <laughs> um, because you want to know what movie we had, we, we had watched right before it is next, the Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, right. That is the movie that getting confused with knowing. Remember, I couldn't remember. Oh, wait. I thought as soon as you said next, I'm thinking knowing. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, we talked about that last time. Wait, what is next? I want to know. Did I see next? It's where Nicolas Cage can see divergent timelines. I didn't see that one. So he, so he makes choices based on what he perceives is going to happen. So it's like just choose your adventure when you stick your finger on the page and then look at both endings. Exactly. But you want to know, it's funny. I made my list and I listed it on my list as knowing again. (laughs) I cannot remember what fucking movies are. Um, I think you, I think you went and saw this movie too, but I went and saw Get Out. Yes. It was great. Wasn't it so fucking great? 
Of course, it was amazing. Yeah. I knew it was going to be good, and it was good, and yeah. I was happy that like, it was Like, so I hate good. being that, that person I, that, like, you know, because you, you don't, like, when everybody loves something, you don't want to not like it. Like, you want to be like, okay, I really hope I like it. I'm like, but I hope I'm not just echoing the chorus, but everybody's echoing the chorus because it's so fucking good. Uh, it was a real it was a real Mad Max situation, Fury Road, for me, because uh. the opening of Fury I don't like the opening of Fury Road. And like, I saw it kind of well after other people had, right. and I'm sitting there as Fury Road opens and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be the one that doesn't oh, like yeah, this. I'm going to be that asshole. But I ended up loving it, obviously. Mm-hmm. I wasn't too into the opening of this movie either. Okay. It had like two openings. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And, yeah. and I, there's like a prologue, like, if you will. I liked the prologue. I don't know. I don't know. Something about it, though, as it was like the credits were roll, like the opening credits were going, I was like, oh, I'm going to be the one. It's going to be me. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't me. It was amazing. Well, two things. One, weren't you very grateful that you saw the Stepford Wives when you watched this? Because didn't, weren't you like constantly thinking like, man, Jordan Peele must love the Stepford Wives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, and for people out there that, like, love to get out and everybody love to get out, like, if you're trying to figure out, like, what should I watch next if I like get out, watch the original Stepford Wives. Because, I mean, he has said it was very influential on him, but it's so – you could so see it, not just in the storyline, but even in, like, the visual choices, I think. Um, and the Stepford other thing – Stepford Wives and Rosemary's Baby. That was again? That was what I – Not the Nicole Stepford Kimmel. Wives and Rosemary's Baby. Oh, yes. Very, very much. Yeah. No, it's very Ira Levin influenced. And it's great. It's yeah. so good. Everybody should see it. I think everybody did see it, which is awesome. I love that this movie made money. Um, do you want to hear something really weird about the screening we went to? Yes. So we went on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, packed theater, like, and it was in the theaters now by me. Most of them are going to um, assign seats. Not always, but quite often when you get your tickets now, it is, even if it's not IMAX, you're getting assigned seats. I love it because it means you don't have to get to the theater really early to get seats. You don't have to walk into a crowded theater and ask people to move their coats. Like, I love it. You can pick where you want to sit. I think it's great. The rest of the world's been doing this for a while. We're finally catching up. So we go to the theater and there's a bunch of, there's a big group of us like in one row and we're going to our seats and I see there's people sitting in our seats. So I politely say, excuse me, I think you're in my seats. And these guys say, oh, yeah, people were sitting in our seats. And I say, well, okay, there's a group of us, so we need to sit in our seats. So just go tell them they need to move. And these guys are like, yeah, I guess we have to do that. Mm-hmm. So this happens. We sit down, and not our, our whole group wasn't there yet. And I keep seeing people come up and, like, go to sit in the seats. And our friends have to say, like, um, these are taken. And I'm, like, sitting there. I'm getting angry because I'm like – Everybody know like you pick your seats. Nobody is surprised walking into this theater that it's a sign because you pick your seats when you got your ticket. So the movie starts. Um, the prologue happens, and then the credits start, and all of a sudden the movie freezes. And you hear everybody in the theater grumble because we think it's a technical issue. Nope. The ushers come in and make an announcement saying, we have reports that a bunch of people aren't sitting in there, either don't have tickets or they're sitting in the wrong seat. So... Movie's not going to start until everybody, until we check tickets and everybody gets up and moves to their seat. Like five what? minutes. And yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the ushers are walking around checking tickets. People are getting up and moving. People are complaining. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah, ushers. You tell them. We need law and order in this theater. Which I realize how bad that sounds. Oh, no. Is it I mean, I didn't say these things out loud. I sat there looking at Brandon. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really glad they're doing this because people need to know that assigned seats mean something. 
Not crazy. It was you. No, I didn't. I know because I took care of my shit. Somebody was I, sitting in my seat. I said, you can't. Oh, I was going to say. Seat. I was going to say, were you in the wrong seat all along? No, 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 no. That would have been mortifying. No. I check my ticket. I see this is my seat. I sit down here. There was even like another guy that was um, trying to like almost sat in my seat. I'm like, oh, sir, I think that's mine. And like, this is after these guys got up and this other guy was coming over about to sit like on my lap. I'm like, um, what t- what seat number do you have? He's like, I'm 19. I'm like, yeah, this is 17. You're two over. Like, I, it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. And it's there for- It's not that hard. Yeah. And I have something funny to kind of add to that. Um, we did, so we saw Logan. That's another movie that I saw and it was great. So we saw Logan and we saw an IMAX, which I had never done before, Mm. but it was the only showing available. Nice. Um, And we, it was really nice, but it had assigned seats. And I was like, Oh, there's assigned seats. We got to, you know, pay attention. So we go in and we, we sit down and we go, okay, we're in our seats. The, The movie was like, six seven minutes in into the movie and people were still fucking with their seats uh, like oh i don't know oh change your rows like you do not know how to read a fucking ticket i i don't understand why people are resisting assigned seating like if you don't want to go to a different i think theater. it's great yeah it's great you can yeah alamo does it all the time but this was just a regular yeah i mean i guess it's random people will just theater. get used to it but it's not that hard to get used to. You go to a theater, yeah. right? You go to a, a, a musical theater performance. You have assigned seats. You sit down there and you stay there. Like, because other people have bought the seats around you. If, if you see a seat that you want, it's not empty if you, because otherwise you would have bought it when you got your ticket. Somebody is going to sit there. Don't sit there and then have somebody come and make you move. Because then they're going to have to find another seat. And then the person's going to come in who wants that seat. And it's a cycle. Just sit where you're fucking assigned to sit. Brandon wouldn't let me like go on this rant in public because I think he was afraid that people were going to be angry at me. Um, so I'm glad I got to get that out here because I, I needed to. It felt good. That's 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 pretty great. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. That you weren't in the seats. Oh God, yes. And I'm glad they came. And I'm glad they paused the movie because people need to learn. And there's like a person behind me who's like shouting at the ushers. They're like, yeah, well, what about the experience? You just robbed this movie of the experience we're supposed to have. I'm like, dude, first of all, it's the credits. Nothing's happened yet. Second of all, yeah, well, the person whose seat somebody else is sitting in robbed the other person of that experience. So there. Other people robbed (sighs) that. Yeah. Follow the fucking rules. That's all I ask. Anyway, did you also have a lot of people talking during your, like, like, did you have movie comedians during your movie? During Get Out? No. No. Oh, we did. And they were kind of annoying, but it was nice because every, like. We had. Go for it. No, go. I I didn't mean to cut you off. I didn't think we were talking over each other. No, it was one of the best theater theater experiences I've ever, ever had. People were screaming at this like really engaged and like interacting with the screen but we were doing it as like a unit nice yeah everybody was was on the same side like people were applauding people were like shouting like you know don't do it don't go there don't go there which was great but you had one guy that like i get the feeling he went to see it like earlier in the day and had his lines rehearsed because like he was just so ready with zingers that like half the theater laughed at and i'm like the movie's funnier than you are 
but it was a good it was a good crowd theater a screening definitely but yeah so good so very good and so you also really liked logan i love logan yeah um things oh yeah it's great i kind of i'm over superhero movies yeah for real like i'm not into it anymore um but i like ones that feel like a different genre mm-hmm. with the superhero like that's just the secondary thing like it just exists in that universe i felt like um <sighs> captain of america winter, winter soldier. soldier i couldn't totally. think of the words i feel like Winter soldier was like that too yep. um yeah cool. yeah i liked it a lot um I only have a couple more since I already said that. On the plane to Seattle, I watched San Andreas. <laughs> How was it? It was stupid and it I hated like it. Fun. But like oh, not fun. But was, no, but I liked it. It was it was stupid and I liked it, but it was stupid. It was kind of interesting to watch that movie on a plane though, because <laughs> the turbulence was really unnerving. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lots of helicopter stuff. Um, it didn't make sense. There were a lot of choices and decisions that made no sense and character you're like why are characters doing things but that's just how those movies are a lot of the time um and then i watched takers do you have any idea what this movie is the title sounds familiar i feel like i've seen the title go by on netflix or something so show show used to make fun of this movie okay um say things like there are givers and then there's us so i've never i've never taken this movie seriously but then zach was like do you know idris elba's in this movie and so is paul walker and i was like you're making that up but no they're in it um it's terrible is it that bad not at all it's really bad but idris elba's in it and that's always fun yeah yeah that's that's all i got it's been it's been kind of light okay well you've been been kind of light I've been busy. Yeah. So because mine's, I have a lot on Netflix. What do you have? Okay, let's see. Um, On Netflix Instant Watch, there's a movie called Ice Girls, and it's about figure skaters, and it's a really good gym movie. Um, Yeah, it's about a figure skater who gets hurt, and she's poor, and then there's another figure skater who's rich, and her mother is Natasha Henstridge. Um, and Elvis Stoico is, plays a coach and there's a couple of other figure skaters that like show up to give really awkward line readings. Um, it's, this is a movie that's only, that's made for 13 year old girls and people that really like figure skating. So therefore I really enjoyed it. So, cause I'm both of those things deep down. You are. Yes. Um, I finally delved into the lifetime remake of Beaches with Edina Oh, how was it? Um, I liked it. It, the, what it suffered from mostly was just, and I, I mean, the original Beaches we said was too long, right? It, 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 it's, it went on too long. It dra- it had weird pacing. Um, I love it, but it is paced weird and it's, but it ends up being like two hours. So this one made for TV. So it's an hour and a half, like even, and it just, it felt like they rushed certain things and that they were trying to get through certain beats really quickly. Um, that aside, I did really like it. I, I, what they, it's, um, Nia Long and Adina Menzel. So Adina Menzel's really, I, I always, I mean, I'm a Broadway fan. Like I love Adina Menzel and she's good. She makes a fun CC. Uh, I feel like this one did a, almost a good job of making both of them right and wrong constantly, 
Whereas mm-hmm. I think in the original, like, it's really hard not to be on Bette Midler's side just because she's so much fun. Whereas in this one, there's a lot of points where you're yeah. like, Edina, that's bad. And I kind of like that. Like, I like that it gave you this kind of even-handedness. Um, and th- it's also interesting because the character that Barbara Hershey played, in this case, it's Nia Long, so she's black. And the movie, like, that's that's a big part of her character. Her father was a lawyer who had a lot of kind of black pride. And that, like, it, it gives that character something different um, than just kind of repeating the beats. And where it kind of suffered is when it just gets to the point where it has to repeat the beats. Um, but it, mm, it was interesting. Yeah, and I think anybody that uh, likes the original, I think this was a, a worthy remake. So I enjoyed it for that. Well, that's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went on to a bit of a Oscar movie trying to catch up. Like, I really tried to cram in a bunch of what I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get to see La La Land, uh, the not Best Picture winner. Did you watch the Oscars, okay. by the way? Um, no. Okay. But I, I mean, I was on Twitter, so I cut, it's like, it's like watching it. <laughs> um, and it's like, when that happened, Twitter just kind of like exploded. I'm guessing, you and just there were just a long tweets that stream were... of WTF, WTF, WTF. Yep. What? Yeah. What happened? Huh? What? Huh? And, I, and Zach on? and I were like, something happened. Something's so going. we looked into it. I mean, it was crazy because it like I watch them and I usually go to bed by like ten o'clock. So for me, staying up till twelve thirty for the Oscars, like I do it, but I'm not happy about it, especially when it gets to the point where you think everything is very predictable. And that's what it felt like. It was like, okay, Damien Chazelle won, so now La La Land's going to win. Oh, La La Land won. And then things got so weird, and it was amazing. And it was kind of felt like a nice like reward for people like me who stayed up late, even though they didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, I feel really... I have a lot of emotions about it. I've read extensively about what happened yeah. and how it happened and, quote-unquote, whose fault it was. But... <laughs> I'm just so fascinated by it. Well, for my... I don't I, like... I initially had the best theory. I was so proud of my theory. I'm like, oh, I know. I see what happened. Like, something to get... Like, an envelope got messed up, but Warren Beatty is using this moment to get revenge for Annette Benning not being nominated for Best Actress. Because he's, like, ruining the Oscars. And... Then he sort of blames it on Emma Stone, which is the category that Annette Benning, his wife, would have been nominated for. So that I was so proud of my theory. And then very quickly, I'm like, no, I think it was just that the accountants were distracted and had stage fright, and the font choices were really bad. Oh, man. Why would they format it like that? Seriously. Uh, just no. Like, I'm... I, I'm not a graphic designer by any means, um, but I work. You have a good eye. I, I I now have a good eye because I work in marketing, so I've I've gauged an eye. But something else, like when I have to do any kind of presentation, whenever I'm speaking, whether it's like my wedding vows or a work presentation, if I have to write out notes to myself, I'm like not to toot my own horn, but I'm really good at writing notes like that. Because I understand how I'm going to see it and read it. And I get so angry when people get up on stage to read something and you can see that they have it printed single spaced or they hand wrote it and like they have to hold it all the way up to their eyes. Because it's like, no, just double space it, big font. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It's all about you being able to see this and read this. Like there's there's an art to taking notes in a way that you can look at them and see everything you need to see. 
exactly that's exactly the case of that the design of those Oscar envelopes. Um, I shared an article about it on Facebook that somebody had written because I thought it was a really good examination of everything wrong with that design. And like, why would your category and your winner be the same font? And why is your envelope red with gold writing? That's very hard to decipher. Um, So it was a bad choice there. Design matters, plain and simple. And having accountants um, be the like final line between the right and wrong answer when these are accountants who have stage fright and don't know what to do when something goes wrong, even though they've been prepared for it. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of a mistake, but I think it was the best thing that could have happened to the Oscars. <laughs> oh my. So tell me about the movies that you've seen. Okay. So I watched Hell or I don't think I've seen any of them. Um, okay. Uh, I, so I think in the end I ended up seeing one, two, three, three, uh, I can't remember all the ones nominated. I think I saw, I guess, three out of nine. Is that right? I think I'm missing one or two. All right. So I saw Hell or High Water. Um, and this is one of those movies that I'm going to say is the prime example for why Oscars going to more than five nominees for best picture is the greatest thing to ever happen to the Oscars. Um, because I always go back to Winter's Bone and an education as being examples of great movies that I probably would never have seen if they were not, if Oscars didn't have the more than five rule. Those are two good ones. They're great movies and I wouldn't have thought to see them. Um, this was back when like, I really tried to see all the best picture nominees and I think a lot of people go to see movies that are nominated for Oscars because they're nominated for Oscars. And so when you open the field to, it's, I think it's like five or between five and ten is the rule now, you give movies like Hell or High Water a second shot of getting seen. Um, and this, I, I mean, I don't think this was, by no means to me, was this the best picture, um, mm-hmm. but it was very good. And I never would have sat down and watched it if it wasn't an Oscar runner, because it just, it was not something on paper that appealed to me. Um, and actually on paper, I didn't know anything about this movie. That's another thing. I knew nothing about it other than, oh, it's nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Everybody liked it. Uh, I thought it was a Western. <laughs> like I rented it thinking it was going to be. Thought it, I thought it was too, yeah, but no, it's, it's not. It's, not. A... it's like modern Texas. It's, I mean, it has that very like old timey feel because it's kind of poor Texas and very rural Texas. I forget what town it's set in. Um, but it's Jeff Bridges essentially playing the role he plays all the time now. Uh, Chris Pine is great. Um, Ben Foster, not Aaron Paul, although I can't tell them apart anymore. I don't know. And I know I'm not alone in that. So that's good. Um, but everybody's really good. Uh, it's, it's a good movie. It's a, I'd say it's a very good movie. Uh, not, I don't think it's a great, I don't think it changed lives, but I think, um, it was very enjoyable and I think it, did was it an interesting way of examining certain things like you know bank fraud and all these other kind of modern issues it gave it this different lens of looking at it uh so i enjoyed it i think you'd like it um i i also watched because i again example of oscar movie although i think this would have been nominated if it was only 5 manchester by the sea a.k.a. Bastard Accent, the movie. Um, so this is a case where the Oscars are a double-edged sword. Because I'm watching this movie, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, I don't think this movie was made 
as an Oscar movie. Like, they talk about Oscar bait. And really, like, no, I, maybe it wasn't. But, man, now that it's nominated for Oscars, it just feels like such Oscar bait. Um, loved Michelle Williams. I thought mm-hmm. she was fabulous. Casey Affleck's good in the movie, but that doesn't make me forget that he's an awful, awful human being. Um, and this is like, this is a movie that I kind of felt like, I almost want to excuse myself from giving an opinion on it. Cause I'm like, I don't know. It was well acted. I guess it was good. Mm-hmm. Except some scenes were so pretentious. The use of music I thought was so overwrought and pretentious and just blech. Um, I didn't care, but it was one of those, I'm like, but am I putting up my own wall? Cause I kind of think deep down that I want to not like this movie. Um, I don't know. I don't recommend it to anybody, but I would never argue with somebody that said, I no, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I think that the performances and everything else were, somebody could explain to me why this is a great movie and I wouldn't argue with them. I just say, I didn't feel those things. Uh, however, um, on to the best mm-hmm. picture of the year, yeah, um, the actual I- best picture of the year, the real best picture this year, Christine Moonlight. Yes. Did you see yeah. it? No. It's so good. I wanted to. Uh, you should. You should see it. I actually uh, watched it on demand. I learned that on demand has gotten a lot cheaper since the last time I used it when I watched, when I paid $14 for the human centipede a couple of years back. Um, Jeez. Yeah, I don't think I, I've I, ever done anything on demand. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's easy and like it's right there and it's about, I think it's like $5. This was $5. Um, I loved Moonlight. I'm very happy for it for winning Best Picture. I think that's great because I think it's well-deserved. Um, it is hard, <laughs> I've decided, it's hard to talk about this movie without sounding really white. Um, but I did feel, watching this movie, I'm like, this This movie is making me, it, it is putting me in the skin of somebody who is so unlike me. I am white, Mm -hmm. I am female, I am straight, I am from a rather safe suburban existence. Um, This movie is putting me in the space of somebody who is the opposite of all of those things and doing it in such a beautiful, um, careful, small way, but everything is so big without it overdoing anything. Um... And even I had one issue watching it by the third, it's, you know, it's kind of three acts. By the third act, I suddenly felt very like, oh, this feels very different from the first two. And now I feel like I'm with a different character. And then something's revealed that kind of gave me my biggest jaw-dropping revelation of, oh my God, this all makes so much more sense now. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I don't, think I could ever say it's overrated or hear, you know, if somebody said this is the the best movie of the last how many years, I wouldn't argue that. I I adored this movie. Urge you. Well, I I hope to see it. I was afraid it would make me too upset. You know, I what's funny is I finish it and I Brandon didn't watch it with me, but he kind of walked in at the end of it. And I was very kind of just heavy feeling. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I didn't realize it would be that sad, that heavy. And I don't mean to missell it because it's not, I'm not spoiling anything. It's not necessary. It doesn't end in tragedy. Um, But there is so much 
embedded character tragedy in the nature of what the story is about. And I guess I didn't realize it would be so heavy without it plot-wise being heavy, I guess. Because plot-wise, not that much happens. (laughs) But just, like, the emotional aspect to it really, really sat with me and did not leave me. Um, So it is one that... You know, it's it's a heavy watch, even with it being in many ways this very small story. So you do want to watch it when you can, when you're in the right mood for that, I guess. Um, but it's it is so good and mm-hmm. so rich a movie, I think. Um, so huge recommend. Really, really happy for it. Um, and it is nice to see that, like. And in a way, I think this Oscars is going to be more remembered than any other, in part because of the craziness that happened. But maybe that's a good thing, because maybe people will remember Moonlight now and be more apt to check it out, because it's so good. It really is. Um, Only other Oscar movie I checked out, finally, on Amazon Prime, was The Lobster. Did you see this? Oh, I still haven't seen that either. I loved it. Uh, I really like Dogtooth, so I kind of expected to like this, especially based on the fact that the same people that like Dogtooth like this one. Uh, It's a great black absurdist Mm -hmm. comedy, and it's weird, and the tone is weird, and the performances are great and strange, and this world is strange. And uh, this is a movie where it ended, and I'm like, man, I, I could have done another two hours of that movie just because it's unlike anything, and I just love the tone, and I look forward to seeing whatever else this guy does. Uh, Then let me move into a couple of horror films that I watched. I got really hooked on this on-demand thing, Christine, let me tell you. Uh, So (laughs) with this one, this was a movie that as soon as I heard it announced, I'm like, I am going to pay for this movie. Whether it comes in the theaters and I go to the theaters, whether it's on demand, whether it's the DVD, like, I want to give my money to this. And that is XX, the anthology with, um... Oh, you saw it! I did. I just ponied up my seven bucks on demand for it because I wanted to give it my money. Am I going to like it? I think you are. Um, I don't know if you'll love it. Uh, I didn't love it. I loved of, I guess there's four segments. Um, Karen Kasama's I loved. I thought it was just, I'm glad it's last because it's, to me, just kind of a level above everything else in terms of filmmaking. Uh, It's just a really good, tense, how much tension and just story she is able to put in probably a 20-minute segment, I think, again, just speaks to how good a director she is. And I'm glad people are finally seeing that. Um, Loved her segment. Uh, I liked the rest of them. Um, The tone, I know the complaint people have had, which is the complaint about every anthology, is that it doesn't necessarily fit together perfectly because the tones are very different between each segment. You have one that's kind of a... um, there, it's, I mean, it's a, one is a Jack Ketchum adaptation, so it's very dark. One is a weird black comedy. One is a sort of straight, plain, or not plain, but kind of um, straightforward monster story. And then Karen Kusama's, that's very high tension. So there are four different stories, and there's no connecting theme, um, other than, I guess, that they are all happen to be about mm-hmm. women, and they're directed by women. Uh, so is it the best anthology? No. Some of the segments are great. All of them, I think, are good. I will take this over any VHS movie any day. 
um, I am so I am happy for it. I think it's I think uh, I mean I went into this wanting to really like it, and I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. And like any anthology, you're going to have different ones that you really like. The different segments are going to speak more to you than others. But I recommend everybody seek it out. Um, I think it has a great pedigree behind it. I think it's a great mission. And it's a great way of sh- – because we've talked about how frustrating this like new wave of horror anthologies has been because it seems to be such a boys club, both in – behind the camera. Every, mm-hmm. How do you make – ABCs of death twice and you have like three female directors out of 52. Uh, But also that for some reason, and I think I know why I think it's because of the shortness of a film. So you just rush characters and use very simple ideas to tell stories. And apparently the easiest thing to do is to tell really misogynist horror stories. Um, So anthologies are weird tend to lean very much in a direction of uncomfortable misogyny um so yes i welcome an anthology that is blatantly female and blatantly saying we're giving women the chance to direct because they don't get it and that's that's bullshit and here's four good directors ranging from good to great giving you decent horror stories so uh yeah i felt a little strong about that christine well, I've heard really mixed things about it, but I don't trust the people that don't like it. Right. I, and, I mean, I think, again, I can understand somebody saying, I didn't like that it didn't fit together. I didn't like, you know, this segment I didn't like. But I will have a hard time accepting somebody who didn't like Karen Kusama's segment. Plain and simple. And I I think there's things to mm-hmm. like, maybe love about the other three as well. Um, but, I mean, ev- there are very few anthologies where you can say – that was a great anthology. Tonally, everything worked together. It just rarely happens, especially when you have different filmmakers doing different segments. And so this one doesn't put, fall, you know, hold together perfectly, but it's four mm-hmm. really unique stories being told. Um, or three very unique stories and one straightforward one that's done well. So I, I want you to watch it. I want to hear what you think. Okay, Uh, another newer horror movie that I watched that I know everybody in the world had already seen, uh, Don't Breathe. Oh, I lost you. Damn it. Okay. Yelling about cats. I'm yelling about cats. I'm yelling about maid droids. Point is, don't maid droid is awful and... um, Maybe there's satire in there, but to me, it just felt like I'm a feminist watching a movie that hates feminists. Who has time? Yeah, so fuck that movie. Who has time to find the satire in there? Well, and the thing is, the movie's like an hour long, so really, like, you kind of do have time, but no, fuck it. Use it for something better. Uh, Use it for something like, I know you watched this. I think I liked it more than you did, but I think you liked it. Um Jurassic World, I mean the resort. <laughs> the zombie oh, amusement park. I like, yeah. This was, I recommended it. Yeah, I liked it. This was fun. This was, I mean, I... Yes, it was It was just dumb fun. Like, I love Jurassic World. I thought it was stupid, and it was exactly what it was trying to be, and it was fun. And that's what this movie felt like to me. Um, yeah, I... 
I hate when people say it was better than it needed to be, but it was better than it needed to be. And it even it had some social commentary. It brought yes. in some things about immigration and refugees. That's pretty timely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So f yeah, this movie. I know some people didn't like it, but this was this no, was, I liked it. It was a zombie amusement park movie. It was great. It's best case scenario when you just blind pick something. Yes, agreed. like oh. like it couldn't have gone better. And when it comes to zombie movies, it's very easy to not have a positive experience because there are so many and a lot of them are terrible. And this was really enjoyable for me. Um, Just a few more. I I watched this was a this was a episode of Married with Clickers a while back that I found very intriguing. Um, 1968's Pretty Poison with Tony Perkins and Tuesday Weld. This is a weird little movie about um, uh, Anthony Perkins is a, uh, he's getting out of prison or like a mental institution. Um, he's a young young man, but he's, he's off. Uh, and he kind of becomes obsessed with this beautiful, perky teenager. And... Very quickly, you start to realize that while he has problems, she also may have some problems. And it's sort of this kind of madcap uh, romance of sorts. Um, It's a strange movie, and it feels in a lot of ways very ahead of its time. Like, you've seen a lot of kind of couple killer movies since. And this sets a really interesting template for it. Because it does like a good bait and switch. Um has an interesting backstory where apparently like everybody hated each other filming, which is interesting. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe because it's, it's kind of a black comedy, but you don't realize that for a very long time. It, it feels like it's playing as a kind of straight out thriller, but then it gets funny, but you're not sure if you should be laughing or not. Um, interesting, interesting. And that's where we ended, folks. Not with a bang, but with a being cut off talking about Anthony Perkins. Uh, Okay, then. That was the episode. Apologies for the wacky audio issues. I think there might be a segment missing, too. Um, I don't know. Whatever. You can figure it out. Just call it modern art. We will be back. It will probably be a few weeks. Chris Christine is moving. But when we come back, we'll talk about Sleepwalkers and The Hunger. So enjoy the beauty that is the awful March month of March in the meantime. Bye, folks. Say what you want, but I'm here to stay because I'm a mean old liar. You can go where you want, but don't get in my way because I'm a mean old liar. Turn your day into night Cause I'm a mean old liar